Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Our members enjoy monthly programming and probing discussions. We hope to see you there. And today we welcome Janice Clark Johnston as our advocate, who is a family psychologist, speaker, and author of several books, most recently, Transforming Retirement, Rewire, and Grow Your Legacy. Her weekly blog, Pearls of Peace, sets the stage with these words. We are the authors of our emotions, whether feeling peaceful or turbulent going forward. Surely the past informs us, but we own the detective privilege of interpreting our own missteps, sidesteps, and sashaying steps. Hindsight often is a better version of facts. It's harder to catch your mistakes when they are in progress. Getting lost along the way happens to all of us, but we can learn from our missteps. We are the storytellers of our own personalities. Janice is one of the co-leaders of a daily morning meditation group that began during the pandemic through Unity Temple Unitarian Universalist Congregation. Her prior family therapy practice included children and adults from 3 to 83. She says her biggest education in gerontology came from caretaking of patients with dementia. Her own mother died at 99 and a half. Janice speaks and trains on best practices in parenting, midlife development, retirement identity, loss, and grieving. So Janice, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. I I loved when you said to me, I'm trying to use my own life experiences to be more sensitive and compassionate to others' trauma. All of us experience loss and grieving, Yet in the United States, we often do not take much time to acknowledge each other's pain. So I thought that was a good place for us to start. And would you elaborate on that, please? Sure, I'd be happy to. I think it's not just for me that I get more sensitive when I experience loss and get more sensitive to others' pain, but certainly that happened with 9-11, when there was such tragedy with so many lives lost on what looked like a normal work day in America, people came together in our country. Even people in some other countries had great compassion for the people who were lost and their loved ones. So. We don't often think of loss and grieving as a time of growth, and yet it is. As I wrote in my second book, Midlife Maze, A Map to Recovery and Rediscovery After Loss, Mm -hmm. I really see a time of grieving as a chance for creativity. Mm -hmm. That may sound a bit strange, but... The more creative that you are in planning rituals to honor the person who was lost, the more you can have compassion, you will actually grow through a grieving process. Mm -hmm. 
notice I didn't say it's easy growth. <laughs> a lot of our growth isn't easy. Uh, a lot of our growth takes place when we make a mistake or when we're down and out. One of the best ways that I found to handle my own grieving was to keep a gratitude journal. And there are some simple ways of doing it. For example, this is my way of doing it. Before I went to sleep each night, I would write down three things that I was grateful for. And they could be really small things. And as time rolled on, I found that it was easier. In fact, I would have even more than three things that I might want to jot down mm -hmm. because gratitude is creative and we all need to be more creative when we're dealing with loss and grieving. It's just a tough, tough slog. When, when you say- well, That's one example. Mm -hmm. When you say you need to be more creative, explain that a little bit more to me. So creativity is in the eye of the beholder. When you keep a gratitude journal, you're actually doing a couple of things. Let's say it's a bad day and in grieving, there are quite a few bad days. You can tell yourself, oh, I better think of something I'm grateful for because tonight I need to write three things in my gratitude journal. So it serves as a little creative spark. And just knowing this is your practice, this is something that you have decided to do, has a life of its own. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, later, you can go back and read what you wrote. So I've actually done this practice for three separate years. One year after my beloved husband died suddenly, another year after my father, who died at age 90, and then another when my mom died. So I, I've had some really interesting experiences keeping a gratitude journal. Okay. Yes. Well, you also talk about fixed mindset and growth mindset. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. It's so important to have a growth mindset. This is not my research. It was done by Carol Dweck at Stanford University. Mm -hmm. And what she found is that people who have a growth mindset are always growing. They are just people who have a love of learning. They are people who believe that it's your effort that makes a bigger difference than your actual talent. Mm -hmm. If you look at fixed mindset folks, you find that they seem to believe that IQ is a fixed number. They spend a lot of their time trying to document their talent rather than trying to their talent. And what Carol Dweck points out, which is so true, is that all of us have some of each. 
It's just in different areas. So it's good to know when you're operating out of your growth mindset and perhaps when you're a little fixed. An example would be maybe you have a growth mindset about a relationship. But then when the topic turns to money, you are in a fixed mindset. Often, a fixed mindset comes out of learned behavior, and some of these patterns get started at a very tender age. Mm -hmm. So fixed mindset versus growth mindset, it's a good concept for us to understand our personalities. But your personality is not a fixed one. Some people... I guess, hang on to the same old, same old traits for their entire lives. But you can have a better time of it if you believe that your personality is flexible and that you can keep growing. A good reminder. <laughs> a very good reminder. Yes. I noticed that you're also um, a re reader of Angela Duckworth's work about grit and persistence and yes. and and tell us about that and how you see that connecting with um, the growth mindset. Grid is a concept that has been well-researched by Angela Duckworth. She's at the University of Pennsylvania. And what she finds is that the definition of grit, passion plus persistence, only works if you are going for the long haul, and that is being persistent, that, that is being able to have what in my parents' generation would have been called stick to -itiveness. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that phrase. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, that's an oldie but goodie. Yeah, right. So having grit is really important for so many topics. Certainly, it helps if you're writing a dissertation and you're trying to get through a doctoral program. But actually, you need grit to keep on trucking. You need grit in your career many times. You might even need some passion plus persistence in some relationships. So, Grit, I think, is one of those ingredients that we need to help kids develop. Mm -hmm. What I did in my latest book, Transforming Retirement, was to combine these two. I really think having a growth and grit mindset is what it takes because this particular developmental stage that the three of us are in and many, many more people are in this stage. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of persistence. There are health issues that crop up. There are all kinds of concerns about how much money it's going to cost if I have to move in to assisted living or skilled nursing. There are so many issues at this age that take a little grit to get through. <laughs> well said. Well, yes, well said. And, and in your book, 
uh, transforming retirement. You also talk about ability, belongings, energy, discipline, as well as creativity. And and are those what are those? Are they traits that that you recommend we all develop in order to transform our retirement into life that would be have grit and purpose and passion? Yes, I see what you have just named, and I'm going to do them on a hand because this seems to be a good way of teaching people about it. So if you think of your thumb as energy, <laughs> and the opposable thumb is really important. We are so lucky to have it. <laughs> so thanks to evolution, we have lots of energy and we have a thumb that is really able to move around. And if you think of your index finger as discipline, not this kind of discipline, a lot of people <laughs> had this kind of discipline from their parents, like you should. No, not like that. More like pointing the way, more like there are just better ways than others to do things. But you need a little structure. You need to have persistence. That's part of discipline. And then the third finger, this usually gets people. Um, I'm giving the third finger meaning creativity. We really need to have creativity to thrive in this life. And I think particularly that's true in retirement ages. So the third finger is creativity. The fourth finger is a ring finger, belonging. Mm -hmm. Belonging is recognized as a basic need by many, many people, certainly Maslow, who has the, I would say, classic version of basic needs. And then finally, the pinky finger is ability. Not the least, but it's just a way of putting them together. So if you think about it, we have energy, discipline, creativity, belonging, ability. It's the A, B, C, D, E's backwards. Ah, yes, it is. <laughs> it's just a way to try and teach people to be more aware, to be more conscious, maybe to slow down and think about, hmm, what need am I trying to meet right now? And of course, back to energy, if you don't have proper nutrition, if you don't have proper exercise, if you don't have these basics together, it's pretty difficult to come up with some discipline, for everyday practicality, some creativity to think of new things, maybe your energy, how you manage your ability. So these are just simple ways of trying to address what do we need right now and how can we go about getting it? Very simple 
I, I think being concrete is helpful in terms of teaching. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and so the question, so that discussion begs the question, how do we go about getting it? Well, it's kind of complicated, isn't it? <laughs> One of the things that I think is helpful is understanding that we can only really live in the present moment. Think about how often you might be conjuring up the past. And I do this too. So I'm including the three of us and everybody else. But think about how much time you spend focused on, I wish I would have, if only things about the past, and then also think about how much time perhaps you are focused on fixing the future. Oh, well, when I get wherever, (laughs) together with someone or anything in the future, we spend a lot of our time focused on the past and the future. And actually, the only time that we can really make something happen is in the present time. Mm -hmm. So having purpose, knowing what is meaningful for each person helps to be in the present moment. Mm -hmm. As as a therapist, and if you work with a wide range of of, uh, uh, people, do you folk are you folk do you focus then with them on the present and how do you how do you help them reflect on their past in a way that can help them stay be in the present and have a sort of optimistic look on the future uh, how do you balance those components that's a really good question Catherine it is about balance isn't it mm-hmm. all of life is about balance and with clients. So I ought to say with kids, it's a lot easier than with adults. With young children in particular, I worked with them with puppets. Mm. have quite a collection. (laughs) And we would play out something that was bothering them. And very often with children, it was bullying at school. So we would play out something that had happened, and they had two hands, I had two hands. We would have four puppets telling the story. We would deal with the past very briefly and then focus on how they were feeling right now and how did they think about what happened right now and why would... I'll pick on Johnny. Why would Johnny say such a thing to you? That is how I would work with children. Of course, with adults, um, you don't use puppets, but there are ways of helping people figure out in their personality what are the opposites, because we all seem to have a lot of polarized or opposite ways of looking at things. And usually it's pretty quick to find the opposite part of the past, 
or where they are right now. A lot of times people would be angry coming into the office about whatever, and it could be a relationship. Often it was work with my adult clients, and they'd be super focused on how angry they were. But actually, if you scratch the surface of anger, you almost always find fear, insecurity. You find something that's a lot more tender than the anger because anger is a protector kind of emotion. So through finding the various parts of their personality that were all weighing in on a particular situation, that's the way a client can climb out of being hyper-focused on their anger. That's kind of a simplified definition, but that's the gist of it. I was just curious about women in our, our age group, because I think many of us were uh, taught that ang we're not supposed to feel anger. We're not supposed to express anger. And I was just wondering, in your work with with the women in our age group, and as we're nearing retirement and, and trying to carve out another uh, lifestyle for ourselves, just are women angry at this stage? Do you, do you find that women express anger at this sort of after midlife? My screen went, first of all, Catherine was frozen right after she asked her question. So I don't know if you captured that part. Do you have her question? It was a really good question. And we're still recording, so let's just move on. <laughs> yes, it was a good question. You answered part of it, and and I think about um, anger. Yeah. As women, um, as we reach anger, retirement, and beyond, are we are women more likely to express or be in touch with anger? Yes, I think at this age both men and women, but you've asked specifically about women, are more in touch with their anger. And perhaps they're feeling it for maybe not the first time, but they're able to access it a bit more. I think that a bigger issue than anger, however, is loneliness. We have a lot of people who are living solo these years, these retirement years, and the loneliness factor is huge in our country. I think the Brits are ahead of us in 2018. They appointed a minister of loneliness for their country. It's something that we might think of doing because... Helping people cope with all of their emotions, certainly anger, that's important. We haven't done a good job of helping young men deal with their anger. Um, so anger clearly is an important emotion for all of us to be able to address, to know when we are angry and to know what it's all about. Is it about insecurity, 
for a lot of young men, it is about insecurity, but they don't know that because they don't understand emotions. Mm -hmm. So back to what you were asking, I do believe that women of our age, of retirement ages, are embracing more of who they are. Now, these are the women with a growth mindset. <laughs> if you have a fixed mindset, you probably are not addressing your anger because you feel like, well, I've lived all these years. I am who I am. My personality is stuck in plaster. Um, but all the research shows that personalities are plastic, not plaster. <laughs> Well, I have to go back to the subject you touched on briefly, and of course, that's loneliness. And how do you see that exhibited in older women? I see people who aren't reaching out. I see people who aren't meeting that basic need of belonging. Mm -hmm. And I think... Some of it has to do with just being negative about what they've lost. Um, they've lost their hair color. They have lost maybe their figure. They've gained weight in places that they are not appreciating. I think it's a lack of self-compassion. And actually, this is what we need a lot of in retirement age. We need to have self-compassion. Lots of research has been conducted to show that if you want to have compassion for other people, you first of all need to work on your own self-compassion, that those two go hand in hand. So... For people getting back to that question, Gail, of lonely, I think they haven't really been operating out of a gross mindset. Mm -hmm. I think maybe they're lacking grit. I think they are mostly lacking in their creativity about how to go about finding belongingness in their lives. Yes. And even, uh, and some people who are grieving are finding it difficult to move forward. They get stuck somehow. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you talked about exercise and meditation, and you run a meditation class, a daily morning meditation. So how are you thinking about your own aging, Jan? What what are you thinking about for yourself? Well, all of the above. I'm certainly thinking about my own basic needs. Um, you've mentioned both exercise and meditation. I find that those are two really good practices. Before the pandemic, I was part of the health club that offered yoga. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what happened with the pandemic, everything shut down. But uh, on my own, I 
go to a park, um, Reem Park, and do Tai Chi with other people on Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 7 o'clock. I do lots of gardening, which is great exercise. Mm -hmm. So I'm a firm believer that meeting my own needs for energy is really enhanced by doing something, a minimum. I do more than this, but the research says for exercise, do a minimum of 15 minutes three times a week. That is so easy to put into everybody's schedule, but it's somehow lacking, and, and I'm not sure why. Meditation is another great way that I use to maintain my energy level. Every morning, sitting with a group of people, about 50 of us, show up every morning, seven days a week, <laughs> Well, fewer on Saturdays and Sundays, I would say. <laughs> but sitting with other people for 20 minutes of silence is a way to not just gain energy, but research has shown how wonderful it is for your brain. So when I exercise, I'm not just thinking of my physical body. I'm also thinking about my brain. Mm -hmm. And both exercise and meditation are brain enhancers. The meditation with 50 people, are you doing that on Zoom or in person? Yes. On Zoom. Um, it's, it's on Zoom. We have a meditation group that's been meeting for nine years every Tuesday evening. And that's a longer time frame. There's a, a talk that we watch together, and we do have the 20-minute sit, but then we meet in small groups and discuss whatever teaching there was. But one of the members asked, can't we do this every day? I'm having a really tough time when the pandemic hit. So since April of 2020, we have been meeting seven mornings a week, <laughs> but for a short period of time, just just for 35 minutes. There's five minutes of a reading and the 20 minutes sit. And how do people find out about this if they want to join you? Um, they could contact me and I would be happy to send them to Terry Kinsey he is the person who has been the convener of the meditation group. Okay. Okay, great. We'll make sure people know about that. <laughs> and and so but your own aging. So you're you so meditation, exercise, you use that for yourself and and how else do you think about your own aging? I know you slipped on your kitchen floor, you told oh, I I did. I did. I told you about washing the kitchen floor and when it was all soapy, I uh, ice skated in my own kitchen. <laughs> Not a good idea. No. Not a good idea. Um, aging, I think, 
is something that we need to, I guess, re-identify. In fact, I wrote in my blog that I sent out this morning, I wrote about aging is a word that pertains to absolutely everyone, but so often we attach negativity to that word. I'm pretty excited that I'm still here. <laughs> I'm grateful to be alive. I find life um, challenging. I could say a whole lot of words about life, but I find it invigorating. So you might have guessed I'm pretty much a growth mindset kind of gal. I read lots and lots of books. I just love learning. I'm a lifelong learner. And that, I think, is a wonderful way to age because there are always new books. <laughs> there are always new authors. There are always new things. Now we have AI. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> so learning that that's that's how I view my aging. I'm still learning, and I'm learning a lot. That's wonderful. Are you working on another book? Well, I have a picture book that I have sent out. So now that I've gone up the developmental scale, I'm circling back. I loved working with kids, the, the kids in my practice. Um, and their parents, too. I, I haven't found an age that, that I don't like. I used to work at Oak River Forest High School in the behavior disorder program. Those were the kids that uh, were supposed to be the tough customers. But, of course, it was just a cover-up for their tenderness inside, for their insecurity inside. So I like all ages. But I've circled around to writing a picture book. This is before ages four to eight. Uh, we'll see if I find a publisher. But it's dealing with bullying. Unfortunately, bullying has taken over in America. We have models of bullying that are frightening. <laughs> They're not just on the playground. They're in the Senate. So... We, we really need to deal with this topic. Well, this is wonderful, Janice. We've enjoyed this conversation very much. And do you have anything else that you would like to tell our uh, viewers? Any last parting thoughts? I, I loved from your, I read your uh, blog this morning, and I loved where you said, aging, so cool, everyone's doing it. And I think that was this morning. And, and you said an, an assumption is made that seasoned citizens are the ones who are aging. And that's not true, is it? We're all aging. And I showed a picture of the moonflower on my deck that lives for one day. Uh, Unfortunately... Babies sometimes only live one day. I miscarried a long, long time ago in between my two children. Um, living is a gift. 
And when you approach your life from the point of view of this is a gift, this being alive, this is a gift, when that's your approach, then everything kind of flows from there because you understand that what you do every day, how you spend your time, it's really important. I surveyed 125 people for transforming retirement. I asked them, what is your definition for that word, retirement? And how do you spend your time? And it was fascinating. Everything from A to C. Some people are thriving. Other people are not even understanding how important their time is. So your attitude is really important in life. And I think we all have that opportunity to choose. Will it be a fixed mindset kind of attitude for most things, or will it be a growth mindset? Right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. And this is a good thing. But still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play <clears throat> Apple Play and YouTube. Support Women Over 70 and let your voices be heard. Help us change the conversation about women aging. <laughs>